Good morning, everyone. Morning. Welcome to the gathering. It's great to see you. My name is Mike Marshall. I'm one of the associate pastors here. I'm honored to welcome all of you. Friends who are online right now, welcome. We're so glad you're here. Thank you for taking the time to worship with us. Thank you for letting us know that you've been worshiping today, and we look forward to the next time that you're going to be with us. And those of you who are here in the sanctuary, congratulations, you made it. <laughs> Yay! Cowtown Sunday, you made it. Good job. Uh, whoever it was that came in with the helicopter a few minutes ago, I think that was brilliant. We should all consider that. It's really good to see you. Thank you for letting us know that you've been here today by, by signing the attendance pad, sharing them with others, letting us know that if we can serve you in any way. Um, all that you need online and in person here for this worship service, you'll find on your device at home, on the screens here. Um, and the one thing I want to mention is that, you know, beginning the season of Lent, it's a nice opportunity for us to remind ourselves that there are always studies, Bible studies, discipleship opportunities, nearly every day of the week, sometimes during the day, sometimes in the evening. There are so many opportunities available for you. Some have been going on for quite some time. Some are focused to the season of Lent. We want you to know about them, and we want you to be able to find the study that's right for you. So this morning, after we're done here worshiping, you can seize the moment. You can go over here to this side to uh, on-ramp, and there uh, you'll be able to find out information about the studies that are going on right now, and uh, someone will be glad to take your information and contact you about those, but we want you to be involved, and we want to give you the information that you need. So you can literally find out about that this morning. Well, it seems like we ought to begin. So I want to invite all of you who are here in the sanctuary to stand if you are able, and let's begin with the call to worship. Ashes have been smeared and sins have been confessed. We follow our faithful Lord. These times, they are troubling. This journey, it is hard. We follow our faithful Lord. It is God who sustains, not the temptations of this world. We follow our faithful Lord. In the Lord is our trust, our protection from harm. We follow our faithful Lord. Come, let us worship the one whom we serve. We follow our faithful Lord. Amen. Well, good morning, everybody. How's everybody? Hey, you made it. You did. Hey, you're here. You made it. If, you, if you're tuning in online, you made it too. You just didn't have to uh, fight the traffic. So, uh, so glad that, that y'all are here with us worshiping. Uh, my name's Clint Church, and I'm one of the worship leaders here at the gathering, and along with the gathering band here. Uh, we're going to sing a song that I hope puts a little pep in our step this morning, um, and it's actually all about acknowledging that we need God. And so often um, we fall into that fallacy that we can get by on our own. Um, and, and this song is just about acknowledging how much we do need God. So this song is called, Oh, How I Need You. Let's sing along. Lord, I find you in the seeking. Lord, I find you in the doubt. And to know you is to little else I need you oh how I need you oh how I need you oh how I need you Oh, 
Thank you, Clint and the band. You may be seated. Thank you for starting us with this worship service, pointing us towards God and towards who God is. My name is Jenny. I'm one of the pastors here, and I will lead us right now in the prayers of the people. Prayers of the people is our sacred ritual of praying together as one church. And we always start with a prayer of confession. Now, during the prayer of confession, the purpose of it is not for us to feel bad or guilty and let that guilt and shame push us away from God. The purpose is for us to come open and honest with all of our brokenness before God and just let His grace heal us. Let His presence just meet us where we are. During the um, prayer, several times I will say, Lord, in your mercy, and your response is, hear our prayers. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Now, there is a few people here that I wrote uh, the names for. These are people from our church community. They just need some extra prayers. They need somebody who is faithful, who will pray for them and lift them up. You probably have somebody like this in your life. You probably know someone who just needs prayers. In the end of the prayer, there will be time when I will invite you to say their name out loud. Pray for them. Take those few seconds to pray for the people. These are prayers of the people. Will you please join me? 
merciful and loving God, we open our hearts before you when we confront our transgressions and face the reality of our sin. We may struggle to lift up your eyes to you, and we tend to keep our failings and fears deep down inside. Help us admit our sins to you. Why is this simple act so difficult for us? Why do we hesitate knowing that you stand ready to forgive us and to heal us? You are the sanctuary where distress cannot reach us. In your steadfast love, forgive us. In your grace, cleanse us. In your Holy Spirit, restore us. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Father God, the creator of all, your creation testifies about your power, your grace, your love, new lives, new hopes, new opportunities. For all of this, God, we give you thanks. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Everything that you create, you make free. And over and over again, our freedom is used for the purposes of sin for alienation from you, for violence, for hatred, for greed. And yet when we are at our worst, you do not abandon us. You joined us, you came alongside us as Jesus Christ to redeem us and to restore us into relationship with you forever. And for this, God, we give you thanks. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Always and everywhere, oh Holy Spirit, we are never alone. You come alongside us, you cover us with your grace and peace, and for this constant presence of God in our lives, we give you thanks. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Today, God, I'm lifting up Lee, Dorothy, and Jim. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Are there any others? Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. I'm lifting up right now everyone who is struggling with guilt, shame, brokenness, and pain that has filled their lives, who is struggling to lift up their eyes and see your forgiving and loving face, Lord. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Right now, I'm going to invite ushers to come forward to receive our offerings, our gifts. Uh, a lot of you give, give online, so I ask you to participate in this act of worship by placing a card that says, I give online. And during the season of land, we take the several weeks to deep, dig deep into our faith, to push ourselves a little bit harder, to be a little bit more intentional about these practices of faith that build us up. When we give, we receive so much more. When we give from the blessings that we receive from God, we receive so much more grace, so much more healing, so much more love, just by seeing how our little gift could really transform and touch someone's life. So will you please join me as we pray for these gifts and offerings? Loving God, I thank you for the generosity of our community, for this open and giving heart that touches and transforms lives around Fort Worth and far beyond the boundaries of this city and this county. I thank you, God, for the faithful people that are here today that support the ministries and the vision behind this church. And I ask you that you continue to use us as your faithful servants so that your kingdom be seen and heard and known here and all over the world. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Will your grace run out if I let you down? Cause all I know is how to It's not one thing, it's another. I'm caught up in words, tangled in lies. But you are a savior and you take brokenness aside and make it beautiful, beautiful. Will you call me? 
Good morning. I'm Linda Kennedy, and I'm co-chair of the UMW Afternoon Tea. It's a multi-generational fundraiser that will be held on April 23rd. Our scripture reading this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 18, verses 21 through 35. I'll be reading from the New Revised Standard Version, updated edition, and invite you to read along in your own Bible or one of the Pew Bibles in front of you. It is on page 19 in the New Testament of the Pew Bible. Then Peter came and said to him, Lord, if my brother or sister sins against me, how often should I forgive? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, not seven times, but I tell you, 77 times. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he began the reckoning, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. And as he could not pay, the Lord ordered him to be sold, together with his wife and children, and all his possessions and payment to be made. So the slave fell on his knees before him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the Lord of that slave released him and forgave him the debt. But that same slave, as he went out, came upon one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him by the throat, he said, Pay what you owe. Then his fellow slave fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you. But he refused. Then he went and threw him into prison until he would pay the debt. And when his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed. And they went and reported to their Lord all that had taken place. Then his Lord summoned him and said to him, You wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. 
Should you not have had mercy on your fellow slave as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his Lord handed him over to be tortured until he would pay his entire debt. So my heavenly Father will also do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother or sister from your heart. God speaks to us through the reading of Scripture. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thank you, Linda. What an easy Scripture reading for today. <laughs> Slaves, torture, happy Lent, everybody. Welcome. Before we consider today's scripture reading and today's message, a few words of gratitude as always. I'm always thinking all the people who are here uh, doing ministry with our different age group ministries. A couple different ministries I really want to highlight today. If y'all aren't aware, our Friends Breakfast, the breakfast that invites members of our community who are experiencing homelessness into the church on a Sunday morning, is up and running again. I want to thank Pastor Brenda and all the volunteers who make that possible. We love to serve a warm meal to our guests to make sure they experience church and community and fellowship. That's here at the church at 7 a.m. And it's a wonderful environment. I want to thank them for making the church hospitable to everyone on a Sunday. And I want to invite you to participate serving if you've never considered being a part of the church in that way. I also want to say a special word of thanksgiving to the members of our church who are out there right now as the marathon is going on around us. As we've alluded to, this is Cowtown Marathon Sunday. It surrounds our church on three sides, so getting here is a little bit tough. If you're one of the people who's watching online on the MyFUMC app while you sit in traffic this morning, I have been there before. Grace and peace. Uh, it will be okay. I'm so thankful that we were able to make it here safely. I'm thankful for all the folks who are out there greeting and cheering on folks. I went out there this morning at about 7.45 and the elites were coming by. Those are the people who run entire marathons in like two hours. Um, and it was so funny because they told the volunteers, if one of the elites falls down, you don't help them up because that actually disqualifies them. And they're like, you know, doing Olympic trials and things like that. It almost sounded like Discovery Channel. It's like, just let nature take its course. Like, just don't, just don't get involved. But our volunteers are out there cheering on everybody and passing out gifts. Some have already served their shifts and are back here. We'll be serving shifts throughout all the morning. Thank you so much. I also want to say a special word of gratitude in Thanksgiving to Jinya, to Pastor Samuel, to Pastor Brenda, who for the last two days were at the Cowtown Expo. 60,000 people go to the Cowtown Expo before the marathon to participate in picking up all their registration and materials. And we had an FUMC station there at the Expo. We were the only church there in the entire community. And according to Jinya and Brenda, it was an awesome event. We were talking to somebody at every moment, telling them about our church, about our community, uh, making connections with folks. And one of the things that we also made clear was we would love to pray with you right now if you have any prayer requests or if you'd like to write a prayer request down, we would love to take that back to our church and our prayer community will make sure to pray over those requests for you. And just in those hours that were there, this is how many prayer requests we received from the community. A couple hundred people shared these prayer requests. Yeah, I mean, and if you read through, it's, it, I'm obviously reserving everybody's privacy, of course, but when you read through, I mean, these are people, first off, that are healthy enough to run a marathon. So that's a very special <laughs> segment of our community, right? But in that community still, there's so many relationships that need to be healed, so many bodies that need to be healed, so many communities that need to be healed, so many people that are concerned for their children, for their parents, for their loved ones, so many people who are concerned for the souls of others, for their own people, and people responded so openly to just the basic question, is there anything for which I can pray for you? And I just want to show, this is what it looks like when a church just shows up. When a church just shows up and says, is there anything we can do for you? To the people who are healthy enough and strong enough and well off enough to do something like run a marathon, is there anything we can do for you? People need so much and you can do it for them. This is what it looks like when a church shows up. So praise God. I want to thank all the people who were a part of that and witnessing to the community in that very special way. I love being a part of the city, a part of celebrating. Sounding, based on what Jinya and Brenda told me this morning, we're going to have more events like this where we're just present and out in the community. So if there's any uber extroverts among you for whom this sounds like heaven, you golden retriever people, you sign up for the next one because you're going to love it. It sounds like Jinya about went into a coma. Yeah. Turkey trot, yeah, we'll have you, we'll have another one for you. Um, so I want to talk, so thanks for that. I want to completely shift over and talking about this Sunday's message. So 
I share a bit about my personal history when it's relevant in our messages. And one of the things I've shared a few times, I found myself telling someone new to the church for the first time this week. You may not know, but in my 20s, I thought I had allergies and I ended up having stage four cancer. It was very different than what I expected. And a part of that entire process was very shortly after I was diagnosed, I lost access to health insurance, and then the job I was working for went out of business. So very quickly, I was an uninsured, unemployed stage four cancer patient. And I don't want to spoil the ending, I end up surviving. Um, and I ended up actually getting access to some other insurance, something called uh, high risk pool insurance a few months later. And, but in that window of time, I was uninsured. And thank God, a local hospital system still treated me, but there was a cost, right? And there was a debt associated with it. So in just those few weeks of uninsured uh, cancer treatment, I accumulated a medical debt that was many multiples of the salary I was capable of earning at the time. And so when I was finished, uh, you know, they called and said like, okay. Uh, and I was like, I, I obviously can't pay this debt. Would you, can, can we do a payment plan? And they said, yeah, if you could pay like 90% of it right now, we can just call it even. And I was like, ha ha ha. <laughs> How about one half of 1%? <laughs> um, because that's what I was capable of doing in this very generous hospital system set up a payment plan for me at 0% interest that I could afford to pay. My wife and I could afford to pay. And uh, at that rate, I was going to be paying that debt for about 50 years. And I was happy to take on, you know, it's just what it takes. And it was better than the alternative, right? And that's the most debt by far I've ever been in, in my life. And I shared with y'all a, uh, it might be two years ago, a year ago, I can't remember, COVID. But I shared with y'all, not too long ago, I was just going through the mail in the house and I got, like I always get, you know, a piece of mail from that hospital system. And they uh, had shared on the first page of the letter, it just said, you know, your balance has been adjusted. And so I looked on the next page and it had the new balance total and it was zero dollars. That had happened. Um, yeah, praise them, right? They did that. Amen. And so, um, so I did what anybody else would do, which was look for the television cameras, you know. <laughs> and assume this isn't real and you know it really took a while to settle in and so I ended up calling right to try to verify like is this real and uh, didn't exactly get to the CEO's office it was someone I, I was speaking with in the finance department and all I could I was really afraid I was like I'm afraid like someone from the church got in there and like that's nice but not ethical um, and no it was it was real it was real, and it wasn't just me. It was some tranche of medical debt had been forgiven by the system. And the person couldn't explain why. Obviously, there was a reason they couldn't explain why. And, uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm hesitant to share. That's kind of personal information. I don't want to overshare, but it's just the closest I can explain to someone of what it's like to feel just in incredible, unearned forget. I mean, I had 35 years left of payments on this debt. And... It just made such a difference for me. And what I like to imagine is the people who authorized that. There's someone authorized that, right? It wasn't just a computer mistake. Someone authorized that for me and for many. And I'm imagining what they were trying to do. What were they trying to do in the world to those people like me? What were they trying to make possible? What were they imagining for us and for our children and for our families? What were they trying to make real in the world by doing something like that for these people? Imagine what they were trying to do. And imagine if that day, imagine if that very day I had received that incredible letter and that incredible good news and I had gone, wow, that's amazing. Imagine if I had walked out in my front yard and I saw my neighbor and I said hi to my neighbor and I said, by the way, where's that 10 bucks you owe me? And imagine if he said, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, I was in a situation, I don't have it, I'll get it to you as soon as I can. And imagine if when he said that, I started to choke him. Imagine if when he said that, I started to choke him. And that at everything could, I had him thrown in jail for theft. How would that make the people in the dreams that they had in forgiving my debt feel? What would be going on in my soul at that moment? And what would I be putting into the world behaving like that. Let me make it clear. I didn't do that. <laughs> but that's the only way I can try to help us really imagine what's happening in this story in our modern world. 
We're in a season called Lent right now, and I just want to take a pause because I'm so grateful that there's so many members of our community who didn't necessarily grow up Methodist or even a part of a liturgical church community. If you grew up not going to church at all, or maybe you went to like a Baptist church or a non-denominational church that doesn't include the liturgical calendar, you may wonder what's going on with the whole horn frog get up we got going on up here. This is a season in the Christian year called Lent. Lent's always associated with the color purple for reasons in gray. They have for reasons that have to do with kind of mourning and solemnity. And the reason is for a very, the reason's very on purpose. So for thousands of years, Christians have used 40 days, not including Sunday, leading up to Easter Sunday. And if you grew up in a community where all of your food comes from what you're able to grow and harvest, this is the time of the year when cupboards are empty and tummies are rumbly. And so people have associated this part of the year with repentance and reflection and acknowledgement of things like sin and how deeply it is that we need God and need to know God. Some people who aren't familiar with that, who've only been really introduced to a, a consumer-type Christianity, a, a come here and, and feel good and be encouraged exclusively-type Christianity, may not understand why. And the best way I can explain why Lent is this way is something that actually happens at my family on Christmas Eve. So my family has a bunch of Christmas Eve traditions, of which I am not a part at all because I am at church all day. But... Uh, one of the Christmas Eve traditions that always takes place is my wife goes with the kids and her family and they eat tamales and they come home. My wife puts all the kids to bed and then I come home, usually very late on Christmas Eve, right at the end of It's a Wonderful Life. And my wife is watching it with just tears streaming down her face. And I'm not a person who loves the kind of movies that make you cry. But that's the fullness of the human experience, isn't it? Sometimes we just need to have our hearts broken open to acknowledge what it is that life is really like and what we're really feeling, to understand the fullness of the human experience. And that's what Lent is. Lent is experiencing the fullness of the human story, the ups, the downs, and everything in between. Our sermon series over the course of this Lent is called Tough Love because the scriptures that we're hearing over the course of this season can be tough to hear. We were in a worship planning group, and I don't remember if it was Mr. Mark or it was a Clint, our worship leader, who said, you know what we should call this sermon series? Oof. <laughs> because that's what some of these scriptures are like. Oof. And we we're like, I don't know if it's going to look good on the banners out on 5th Street. Oof. Lent 2023. <laughs> But that's what some of these scripture readings are like. And they're tough because they're tough to hear, right? There's parts of it are tough to hear, but why they're tough to hear always says something about us and not about Jesus. These are all sayings of Jesus and they're all tough to hear, but why they're tough to hear says something about us, not about him. Because his statements are ultimately all about love. They're loving. It's things we need to know for us to have the kind of life for which we are intended to have. So, they can be tough to hear, but ultimately they're all about love. So I want to catch us up on our scripture reading today. It follows not too long after the scripture reading in which Jinya led us on Ash Wednesday night services that we had earlier this week. And there's a point there that's about conflict within the church. What happens when inside this community of faith and people who love you, Jesus, and know you, what happens when we sin against each other? Not only do we sin, but we harm each other. What should happen? And so Jesus outlines a system of what you should do. And ultimately, it's about connection and reconciliation and honesty and forgiveness. That's what it's really all about. He outlines in the scriptures before the ones we read today this way of connecting people back together. But Peter, one of the disciples who's not afraid to ask an honest question, he knows himself and he knows humanity. And he knows that, yeah, people are going to sin against each other, even inside of the Christian community. And he knows we're going to do it again. And we're going to do it again. And we're going to do it again because we're not yet perfect. We still sin. It still has a hold of us. It's still a byproduct of our own weaknesses or failings or struggles or doubts. So how often should I be about that forgiveness business, he asks. How often should I do it? And he thinks he has a brilliant answer. Because to him, the number seven represents perfection. 
and wholeness and completion and connection to God. That's the symbolism of their the number seven. Kind of like to us, the, the number 100, right? Kind of means fullness and completeness. A hundred of something is, is a big round number. Well, in his culture, in his community, that's what seven represents. And so he says the equivalent of, should I forgive seven times? Should I be complete in my forgiveness? And Jesus says beyond that, seven times, seven times, right? Seventy-seven times. That same perfection and the same rootedness in God taken to the next level. And let me tell you why. And Jesus tells him a story so that he can understand. Jesus teaches over and over again in these little stories called parables. It's like gems. A parable is like a gem with many facets to it. And the more you turn it in your hands, the more truth you can see, the more light that shines based on where you're looking at it from and what's shining through it. And Jesus tells this parable that in your Bible is probably called the unforgiving servant. I wish I could retitle this parable to the king who's trying to change the world. And Jesus is a master teacher. And so he's teaching to his community using examples that they would understand based on the world around them. So he uses the example of a Gentile king, a non-Jewish king. And the people who hear this parable know what kings are like. Kings are ultimately there to enrich themselves, to provide for themselves, to make themselves stronger and more dominant in their world. And the primary way that they do that is extruding wealth from the community. They tax people. They take their wealth and their resources to enrich themselves. That's what kings do. And the people that they have do that are slaves. They have, no author- they have no autonomy or no authority in themselves. They're responsible to the king. They work for the king. They have no independence over themselves. But many of those slaves are administrators. And part of their administrative responsibility is to farm taxes, to extrude them from the population over which they have authority. That's their job. And this king, whose purpose is to enrich himself, the audience thinks, has come to the people whose job it is to enrich him, to oversee his kingdom, to provide for him, to fill his coffers, to pay for his armies and their foods, to build his buildings and their temples. And he goes to the chief among them. And we know that this must be the case because the amount of money that the man owes is unfathomable. 10,000 talents. I mean, y'all know much how, that, how much that is. A nice family car today, two talents at most, right? Oh, I thought that was going to be funny. <laughs> That's always a come to Jesus moment when you try to make an ancient uh, denominations joke. <laughs> a thousand talents would be the entire income of a kingdom for a year. That's how much money that is. So what this king is asking of his chief administrator is all of the money that should have been earned for the king over the last decade. And this administrator, through his own wrongdoing or his own incompetence or his own greed, we don't know, has none of it. And in doing so, he's impoverished the king. He's humiliated the king. He's undermined the king. He's offended the king. He has walked away on the one thing that he was supposed to do. The only just thing in their world for that king to do is to sell that man into suffering. Not because it will even begin to make whole what this person should have provided for the king's welfare, but just to make sure that he is humiliated so that everybody else recognizes that the king is still strong. That's the only story that makes sense to the people that are hearing it. But this king is trying to do something different. So he says to this administrator, who has effectively bankrupted the kingdom, humiliated and undermined the king, it's forgiven. It's forgiven out of mercy, out of compassion, and out of a desire to change this kingdom because it will never recover from this. You're forgiven. This king's trying to change the world. So what does, that, what does that man do? What does that forgiven person do? It has implications, right? Because the kingdom is now bankrupted, effectively. And this administrator, his job was dependent on all the other people who reported to him. 
So this work, this forgiveness, this act has implications for everybody else too. All of the mid-level management, all of the frontline people, all of their jobs and responsibilities were ultimately towards leading up to this, to that man's debt, to that man's responsibility, to that man's work for the king, and it's been wiped out. It's been totally forgiven, not just for him, but for everybody else. And what that man then does is see one of the people who's a part of the organization, themselves responsible for much, much less. The 600 denarii, it's like a couple weeks worth. The person who's been given, been given forgiveness over the entire income for the kingdom for a decade sees a person who was responsible for one person's taxes for the course of a couple weeks and says, where is it? Where's that money? But here's the key thing that the original hearers of the story would have known that we might miss. The king has forgiven all of it, which means that money's not going to the king anymore. Which means that forgiven man wants it for himself. This king is trying to change the world through forgiveness and mercy and wiping away the old system that's all about counting up what everybody else owes everybody else. And this man who's received freedom and liberation from that goes to somebody else and says, give me what you owe. It's for me now. And effectively puts himself at the top of the new pyramid. So, I want to imagine what would happen. I mean, we think about, we don't have, we don't have systems of, uh, of responsibility and tax farming and things like that. The closest thing that most of us know about debt are student loans or mortgage debts or, or things along those lines. And imagine if you found yourself in a situation where you owed um, an incredible amount of money to a mortgage company and the mortgage company calls the debt it's due, which they can do. And they call the debt and they say it's due and, and you say, I, I just don't have it. I can't pay off my mortgage and a check. What do you think this is? And they say, you know what? We changed our mind. We want to try to change the world, the mortgage company says. So not only are we forgiving your debt for your mortgage, but we've called up your credit card companies and we bought off that debt too. And we know that you have some kids, so we went ahead and filled up their 529s. And those car payments are paid off as well. And in fact, here's a little something more. We're trying to change the world, that bank says to you. And imagine if you immediately took that, and you took that largesse, and you took that income that that freed up, and what that changed for you, and you immediately started your own bank for predatory lending take advantage of people who are at the very end of their rope. With the forgiveness that you had been shown of that debt, you now take it and use it to take advantage of other people. Not only have you stopped that flow of grace, you've inverted it. You've perverted it. You've taken something beautiful and you've made it horrible. You're creating hell on earth for other people and that's where a lot of folks miss this story. A lot of folks see this story and they read it as someone screws up and they experience hell. What happens in this story is someone is given a gift and they use it to create hell for other people. The king in this story does the only merciful thing and that's remove this person from the situation so they can't cause suffering to anybody else anymore and they're allowed to bear the pain that they've created in the world. Why is Jesus telling this story? Why is Jesus telling this story? Jesus is telling this story in response to the question, when should I stop forgiving? When should I stop forgiving people? When people have messed up and they've sinned against me, they've hurt me, they've hurt the church, they've hurt the community that I'm in, when should I stop forgiving? And Jesus points out, points out the consequences of stopping forgiveness. I want to talk about forgiveness for just one second 
Too often the concept of forgiveness is perverted by the people who uh, want to use it to make themselves feel better about themselves. Too often people who have harmed others demand forgiveness. Forgive me, you're supposed to, you're a Christian, aren't you? In that context, what they're saying is, say that what I did doesn't matter. And that I'm not bad for having done it, or I shouldn't feel guilty for doing that to you or anybody else. That's what they're asking for. That's not what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is somebody saying, what happened mattered. And it hurt. And it caused a wound. And it put a burden on my life that I'm carrying still today. And the act of forgiveness is saying, by some source of strength, by the work of Christ in my life, I am taking that burden and I am setting it down. I will not carry it for you or for us any longer. What happened, happened. And it mattered. But I'm not going to carry that burden forward anymore. I am stepping into a new life. And that may include the person who did the hurting. And it may not. That's up to the person who forgives. But it's ultimately saying that because of the grace that I have received and the power and the presence of Christ in my life, I am stepping forward and will carry that burden no longer. That's what forgiveness is. This is a tough love story because it asks us to do something. It asks us to take forgiveness that we've received and to live into it for the the goodness and on behalf of everybody else. It takes a relationship with God away from being our one-on-one thing. Something good's happened for us. Amen. You should call him up and get the same. It's great. And instead what it says is, I have received so much from the one who is changing the world. I will be a part of that change for everybody else. This is Lent. This is the time where we recognize who we are, where we're at, and what else there is to do. So the first thing I have to ask you is, who is there to forgive? What burdens are you carrying that you hope to lay down? And the encouragement I give is that you don't have to do it on your own. The one who knows you, who loves you, who is with you, and who forgives you is changing the world, and he'll give you the strength to do that too. Let's pray. Jesus, in this season, we open up our hearts so that we can receive whatever it is that you have to pour into us. Lord, each and every one of us carries wounds and hurts. Each and every one of us hurts others in return. Lord, help us to receive, first and foremost, your forgiveness, your release from whatever debt it is that we've encouraged or encountered in our life. And then God, as forgiven people, we ask for the strength to show that for others. Lord, don't let us stop this grace. Don't let us stop this change. Let us instead be a part of your steady work of transforming this world. And it's trusting in you and your work in us now that we pray the words that you taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. As I invite those who will be assisting with the serving of communion today forward, I do so with a reminder that Christ knows what it is to be wronged. Christ knows what it is to be hurt. Christ knows what it is to be made to suffer. On the days in which he was to give himself up for us, I took an ordinary loaf of bread, gave thanks over it, broke it and passed it, and said, take all of you and eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After the meal was over, he took a cup of ordinary table wine, gave thanks over it, blessed it and passed it, and said, take all of you and drink. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. 
And so as you come forward today to receive communion, you'll do so by coming down the center aisles if you're on the floor or receiving it up in the balcony if you're in the balcony. You'll come forward to one of the stations with your hands held open like this where a pre-cut piece of bread will be placed in your hand. You'll then eat the bread, go to the next station and, refill, and receive a pre-filled cup of non-alcoholic grape juice. You'll then drink the cup, head up the outside aisle and place the now empty cup in the uh, trash cans on your way there. We have gluten-free stations for anyone who's sensitivity, who has sensitivity to wheat and we always include uh, non-alcoholic grape juice so that we're fully inclusive of everybody. Christ gives this to us as a sign of forgiveness. And whether we need to forgive others or f receive forgiveness ourselves, the power and the strength that makes it possible is the same. This is not the First United Methodist Church's table. This is not the gatherings table. This is Christ's table. It is for everyone, every age, every background, every understanding today. This season of Lent, draw closer to the Holy One who calls you home. The table is set. The meal is ready. As you are released, come forward and be fed.
As we come to the end of our time of worship today, just a few quick announcements. Speaking of prayer requests, of course, if you have anything for which you would love to pray uh, or have someone join you in prayer, Andrew Helmers is going to be up at the front by the Congregational Care Ministries flag. After every service, we've got someone over there who would love to pray with you about anything that's on your heart or mind. Also, if you're a first-time visitor or guest, we would love to meet you. Uh, we have a station over here at OnRamp. We have a gift for you. We also have a gift for your kids. But also, if you're just want to learn more about the Bible studies, if you want to learn more about places of connection, if you want to learn more about how you can serve and give back, they've got answers to all those questions. Uh, they love to do all the books of the Bible quiz, ask them chapter and verse, they'll do it all by memory, anything you want to know, just ask them. Uh, they're equipped to do so. Um, also want to remind folks that we have a trip to Israel that's going to be taking place. I'll be leading a Holy Land trip at the end of next January. There's an information session next Sunday after church at noon up in room 350. So if you want to learn more about that. We've got information on the website, and we'll be having that information session uh, next Sunday. It's not mandatory, just a chance to figure out more. So we're so thankful that you're here. I want to remind you that the best way to get out is still going down 5th Street to Forest Park. There's not all parts of the, the, the marathon are yet opened up, so uh, when you exit, take 5th Street down to Forest Park, Forest Park to 30. That'll be the easiest way to get where you're going. Now, would you please bow your heads and receive this benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May God's face raise to shine upon you. And may you and your forgiving others and receiving forgiveness of your, by yourself continue to let the grace of God flow through you now and every day. Amen. Go in peace.